When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for Tuesday Terror, here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. The following presentation is a production of 63 Audio and the Narada Radio Company, a proud member of the Mutual Audio Network. Dare to go down into the cellar? The Cellar, starring the Narada Radio Company and hosted by Cadavera Quivery. Welcome back to my beautiful cellar. You caught me just as I was dusting the place. Oh yes, we need a little more dust here and here. Oh, and over there. (laughs) What's that? Oh, you noticed my new sign. Yes, it's a very inspirational motto. Something to keep me going whenever I feel as if I'm not accomplishing anything. Always say die. (laughs) So, creeps, I've been getting some disturbing reports that a few of my vampire pals have been getting mugged in dark alleys lately. No, really. It's not as if they don't have a right to be there. But your anti-cadavera came up with a surefire idea to keep them safe. Yes, they're going around in pairs now. I call it the bloody system. (laughs) Oh, and now, fiends, come closer. Let's see which delicious saga I'll find for you in my great big book. Ah, yes. Oh, here it is. So, tonight we bring you a story of lycanthropy. You know, changelings, werewolves. Our storytellers are a brother and sister who own a lakeside cabin in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, not far from the Canadian border. They meet another brother and sister... (laughs) Oh, but let's meet one of them now. Jack Durfrey. Just listen. (laughs) 
The Shaws of Loon Lodge were a local mystery. They were brother and sister, Jim and Laramie. That Laramie, she walks as if she's scared of something. And that young man, Jim, he's getting sicker and sicker instead of better, as he ought. And them Shaws ain't never been seen hunting nor fishing? No. But keep to their lodge, where they've been ever since spring. These are some of the things being said about the Shaws by the natives of LaCroix, the village located south of my father's hunting lodge at the base of Loon Point. My sister Celeste and I met Laramie Shaw last autumn, not long after our arrival at the lodge. We had been walking along the shore of the point most of that afternoon. What a simply gorgeous day. The lake is practically like a sheet of glass. Mm Mm-hmm. Say, you've heard the villagers talking about the Shaws, haven't you? (laughs) A band of gossips down to the last townsperson. What about them? The Shaws? Nothing. I think we're pretty close to their cabin. Could be. Are you afraid of meeting one? Afraid? No. I wouldn't mind meeting one, or both. Oh, here, watch your step. What? Bird on the trail. Oh, it's dead, I'm afraid. Oh, thank you. I almost stepped on... Oh! Hello. (gasps) Oh, hello. (laughs) Good good afternoon. I... Yes, uh, how do you do? Now, how do you like that? I think you just got your wish. We've met a Shaw. Really? You think that was, uh, Laramie? Who else? Huh. I wonder what that was all about. She looked frightfully pale. Her cheeks looked ruddy enough. That was just the autumn wind. No, the rest of her face was pale. Astonishingly so. I wonder... Pretty, though. Hmm? You wonder what? Just what was she afraid of? That night, we went into the village to learn more about the Shaws, but our intentions were sidetracked by a topic which was far more important to the natives gathered in the village store than the slight mystery of the Shaws. It's a wolf, Mr. Durfrey. What? A wolf? Aye, miss. A wolf. And the outskirts of the village. East appears only seldom. Aye, but that's often enough for me. But it's made several attempts to attack townsfolk. My Tom, he shot at it. That's right. And I swear I wounded him. But next time I seen it, he were loping about. Are wolves common in this area? Not around here. Isn't that right? Yeah, not for years. Years. But Bill Baker, he comes up around now every year to hunt. Baker, he says he spied that wolf last night at Loon Point. He said he heard it howl. Ah, he did both. Now who's telling this story? Ah, Baker, he spied that wolf and heard it howl. And he fired off a shot at it before it made it off into the underbrush. How about you, Miss Durfrey? Any sign of a wolf around your place? Oh, oh no, I, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Have the, um, the Shaws reported seeing a wolf? The Shaws. Those poor young'uns. They're from Indiana, I think. No, they ain't. 
They're from Chicago. Arrived last April, they did. Late in the month. Took that Loon Lodge for two months. And they was planning to return to the city after that. Hey, come to think of it, it were that Shaw girl herself who started the talk of the wolf in these parts. Laramie? How? She come into town early one morning, calling for the doctor, saying that her brother had been attacked and bit by a wolf. The doc, he told me that were true enough. The young man had been bitten by, well, an animal of some kind. Before the attack, plenty of people saw Jim. That's the young man's name, Jim Shaw. Plenty of people saw him out and about, sometimes alone, but other times with a feller, a tramp who stayed up along the coast above Loon Point. No, but nobody's seen him since. Jim, I mean. And the doc ain't been called back to see him, neither. Nobody sees the girl, but seldom. She comes into town only when it's absolutely necessary. Don't she look afraid? Aye, tis a pity. Looking over her shoulder all the time, like something's after her. And so nervous? <sighs> Anyways, at the end of their two months, Miss Laramie, she came into LaCroix and signed an indefinite lease for the cabin. I wonder what happened up there. So, can you tell me anything else about them? No. That Shaw girl, she used to whistle and sing all the time. Now she don't. She don't even smile like she used to. I can tell you, it ain't a small thing will make a woman change like that. Why, that's true enough. Well, I can't remember a more animated conversation in LaCroix, can you? Those villagers, I mean, really, afraid of a wolf, as if it would come up and knock on their door some night. <laughs> Jack? Did you hear me? I said... Oh, dear. Hmm? It may be almost dark, but I can still see the look on your face. Penny, for your thoughts? Huh? Oh, I... nothing. Uh, I'm just eager to get back to the cabin. That's all. Uh-huh. I am, I swear. <laughs> now I know you're hiding something. You're thinking about pale yet lovely Laramie Shaw, aren't you? Well, not just her. Her brother, too. A little. A little. <laughs> okay, Sir Knight. What's that supposed to mean? It means you've got yourself a damsel in distress and you're plotting a way to swoop in and save her. Don't be ridic... Wait! What is... Shh! What is it? Do you hear that? It sounds like someone's following us. I didn't hear anything. Let's walk some more. Stop! There! The other footsteps stop immediately after ours. Who is it? I don't know. Maybe Miss Shaw? I don't think so. Unless Laramie Shaw walks on all fours. Holy hell. Maybe it's... Let's make tracks. Oh, ye gods. Yes, the lantern. Can you see anything? Cripes, yes. Two yellow eyes at the end of the path. 
Brother dear, I think we have a confirmed wolf sighting. That's the only one I think I can take. There it goes. Back into the woods. It's the biggest one I've ever seen. Good morning. I'm making eggs. Toast and coffee's on the table. Mmm, thanks. Ah, yeah. So, what's your plan today? After breakfast, I want to walk over to the Shaw's place. There's a mystery over there, and I think I might try just going over boldly, declaring myself a new neighbor come to introduce himself. What do you think? I think Laramie Shaw has displaced our nocturnal friend of last night. That was quick, brother dear. Look, sis, I think it's a good plan. Something's wrong over there, and maybe I, we can help. Do you want to come along? I was planning to spend the day going through the boxes of Dad's old junk. No, I'll stay here and you go render aid to your damsel in distress. Oh, stop. Where are those eggs? Consequently, I walked alone to the end of the point that morning, but I knocked on the door of Loon Lodge in vain, for no one answered. Hello? Hello? Well, I'll be... Ah! I think... I think the curtain just moved. Hello? Hello? Well, crumbs... Ye gods, Jack! Why are you so determined to force a meeting with the Shaws? Look, nobody asked you to come along. I couldn't sleep, so I thought I'd... You thought you'd set out for Loon Lodge again. What's got into you? You've seen the Shaw girl but once in your life, and... You want the truth? I can't get her face out of my mind, sis. Those frightened eyes. You've got it bad, don't you? I guess so. Well... It's a good thing I'm along, then, so I can interpret your tongue-tied grunts when you're finally face-to-face with her. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I'll need you for that, but it's good to have you with me. Yeah, well, I couldn't sleep either. Slow down. There's Loon Lodge up ahead. The curtains were drawn over the windows of the lodge, but I could see light coming through slits and tiny holes in the curtains. Jack and I moved carefully forward, intending to take the Shaws by surprise with a sudden assault on their door. But as we passed a window, I paused and whispered for Jack to hold up. Jack, come back a sec. Let's sneak a peek through a hole in the curtain. If we knock, the light might be turned off, and then where will we be? Okay, that's not a bad idea. You take that peephole, I'll take this one. All right. (gasps) Oh my God! What is it? What did you see? How can you not see it? Come here and look. Jack stooped down and looked through the hole that was eye level for me and almost immediately clutched at the window ledge to keep from falling back in amazement. Cripes! It's Laramie, and she's in there with a... Uh... Oh my god. It's not a dog. No, it's a wolf. A timber wolf. 
And it's huge. It's chained to the wall, right? Yeah, and its forelegs are bound to its torso with cord. Its hind legs are tied together, too. How did she do that? Let me look again. Thanks. I doubt she did it by herself. Maybe her brother helped her? Maybe, but I don't see him anywhere in the room. Look at Laramie. She looks so tired. I'd expect her to look scared to death of such a beast in her living room, chain or no chain. But she looks merely exhausted. Exhausted? Haunted is the word for it. Look at her face as she turns to the wolf. It's almost as if she feels pity. Pity for the animal at her feet. What's that? Our friend the wolf again. And the one inside is trying to call back. Oh, cripes, let's get the hell out of here. Sis? Sis? Celeste, are you here? Back here. What's all the excitement? Grab your hat. We're going over to Loon Lodge. Again? Come on, let's go. (sighs) You, my friend, are in a rut. No, this is different this time, I swear. You'll never guess who I just met in the woods. Laramie Shaw? Nope. Jim? No, I told you. You'll never guess. I went into LaCroix this morning to get this new wrinkle to the Loon Lodge mystery aired to the good townsfolk, right? Yes, I remember. It was only a couple hours ago. Well, I changed my mind. I got into town and just went mum. I couldn't broach the subject to anybody, so I wandered around a bit and then started back. I was about halfway between LaCroix and our cabin when I saw a man. What sort of man? Well, he looked emaciated. His eyes were nearly black. He had a mustache, but his face needed a shave, and his clothes were pretty shabby. I knew he had been waiting for me, because as I approached him, he didn't take his eyes off me. They seemed to be on fire. He took a step toward me as I approached, and he walked with a slight limp. When I stopped, he said, I believe you are the young man who has the lodge at the base of the point? Yes, I'm Jack Durfrey. I want a word with you. Walk along with me? No, this will only take a moment. I've seen you about Loon Lodge, and I happen to know that your attentions are unwelcome to the young lady there. I'll thank you to keep away from the Shaw's cabin from here on in. And just who the devil are you to give orders to me? My name is Henri Letelier. It doesn't mean anything to you, and won't, unless I find you near Loon Lodge again. Ryman Netley's. Did he really say that? Uh-huh. Well, what did you do then? I'll tell you what I wanted to do. I wanted to punch him one in his smug, arrogant, French-Canadian face. <sighs> but I held back. I don't know why. And then, before I could reply, Letelier stepped back into the dense undergrowth that fringes the trail. And I started to follow him, but thought better of that, too. That's my level-headed brother. Oh, he made me plenty mad, I can tell you. And worried. Worried that the Shaw's new protector is someone pretty sinister. So we're going to hide close by their cabin and see what happens. What? Are you crazy? Less than a minute ago, you called me level-headed. Temporary 
very insanity. Oh, Jack, I detest the very idea of hiding in the bushes like some... some cockeyed Cyrano de Bergerac. Sis, you've got your stories mixed up. I'm not going to recite love poetry to Miss Shaw. I'm going to try to help her out of this weird situation she's in. Now, here we are. Smoke's coming out of the chimney, so there's definitely someone home. Let's go off the path here. Now, wait a minute. Let's go off the path here and sit down behind this overgrowth. Come on now, maybe we won't have to wait very long. All right. Jack's guess was right. We hadn't very long to wait, for suddenly the door opened and a thin young man emerged into the sunlight. Jack and I exchanged glances and turned our faces back toward him. He was wearing trousers and an old dressing gown, open at the front. So this, I surmised, was Jim Shaw. His face was thin and bloodless. His lips looked nearly gray. His eyes? Well, his eyes left no doubt that he must be seriously ill. He leaned against the cabin for a moment, leaving the door ajar. Hey, where's he going? Around the side of the house, I guess. Yeah, but what for... Oh, wait, Laramie's coming out. Oh, poor thing. She looks so pale. Quite a contrast against her dark hair. (sighs) You are gone, son. What? Solid gone. You've fallen for her. Don't be ridiculous. Jim? Oh, Jim? (gasps) Shh. Here I am. Where did you go? Just around back. Come back in, dear. It's not safe out here for you. All right. I just wanted to stretch my legs, get some fresh air. Miss Shaw? (gasps) Jack! What are you doing? Jack! Hello, excuse me. You are Miss Shaw, am I right? Yes. I'm Jack Durfrey. This is my sister, Celeste. Celeste? Hello! We're your nearest neighbors. Yes. I've been up to call before. Perhaps you were out, but I don't think so. If it hadn't been for someone who's apparently your guardian, rather rudely warning me to stay away from this place, I wouldn't have come again. Jack. Guardian? Was it? Henri Letelier. That's what he called himself. Hey, now, careful. Uh, Jack, catch her. I've got you. There. Are you going to be all right? Mm-hmm. I want to help you, Miss Shaw. We want to. What do you mean? I'm not... We're not in need of help. You've no right to presume that. I want you to tell us a few things, and perhaps we can help. Please go away. I don't... I... Wait. Please. We saw you last night. Oh! I don't think you could have seen me. Try to believe us. We saw you in your cabin with a bound wolf. (sighs) My brother and I went to bed early last night. We saw through a rent in the curtain. Go away, please. Very well. But I'll return tonight and shoot any wolf I see, whether inside the cabin or not. No, no, please. You mustn't come back here again. Oh, it may be true. 
No, no, what am I saying? Of course it isn't true. It can't be. But there is a wolf in the forest. I've heard him. You must not be out when he runs. Promise me you won't come back here. <laughs> I'm sorry. If you sincerely believe we can't help you, we won't come back. Thank you. Thank you. Despite our promise, Jack and I did return to the cabin that night. It had been dark for more than an hour when we arrived at Loon Lodge, but a light glowed from behind the curtains drawn over the windows. We went at once to the closest window and discovered immediately that the rents through which we'd peeked the night before had been repaired. Further investigation showed that all of the curtains had been carefully mended. Laramie Shaw obviously did not intend to allow us a second show of what happened at night in the cabin. But we heard the growling and struggling of the bound wolf inside, so we knew that it was there. And on the homeward path, we heard again the call of the other wolf coming from the direction of Loon Lodge. Jack, I don't know how long I can keep doing this. Doing what? What do you mean, doing what? This thing we've been doing for the past two weeks. I mean, what is the point of standing a nightly vigil at Loon Lodge for a woman who doesn't care if you're alive or dead? And all the while practically inviting a huge wolf to tear us to ribbons? Well, in case you haven't noticed, that huge wolf has been calling out to the one in the cabin from farther and farther away every night, and the one in the cabin has gone quieter. Well, they were both pretty loud during the full moon. That was four nights ago. Three. All right, three. Anyway, you're in luck. I was going to tell you, last night was our final nocturnal visit to the Shaw's cabin. Jack, do you mean it? Yes. I I mean, it's practically November, and it's time to start thinking about returning home. Obviously, Laramie Shaw doesn't have the slightest... What the devil? I'll get it. Okay, I'll get the phonograph. Miss Shaw! May I come in? Yes. Yes, of course. Laramie, um, Miss Shaw, I... Please, please, Miss Durfrey, shut the door and latch it. Jack? Go ahead, sis. All right. I've come. You were the only ones I could turn to. I've stood it so long. I can't anymore. Here, please. Here, sit down. We want to do anything we can to help you. Come back with me to Loon Lodge and meet Jim. Jim sat in a low chair near the table. He was even paler than he'd been when I'd seen him a few weeks before. He looked to be in the last stages of some incurable disease. Jim, this is Jack, and this is his sister, Celeste Durfrey. They've got a lodge at the base of the point, and they've come to help. Glad to know you. Those things you said you saw in our lodge? They were true. I don't know how to explain them. Please go on. We came here on vacation, planned to stay for two months. 
Not long after our arrival, Jim made the acquaintance of an elderly man whom he met in the woods. As you might guess, this was Henri Letelier, the one who warned you away from us. He seemed intelligent and interesting. He'd led a long life of being a vagabond, and Jim liked his stories. One night, he had supper with us here. He ate only meat, and as the meal progressed, he got more and more nervous and began to look around as if he was suspicious of something. I started to become alarmed, and even Jim took notice. Then, suddenly, just as the sun was setting, Mr. Letelier jumped up and ran from the house without a word of explanation. We were astounded, and naturally, Jim ran after him. Laramie went on to say that just after night had set in, she'd heard the howl of a timber wolf somewhere in the vicinity. She was getting worried because Jim hadn't yet returned, and she was looking for his gun when she heard him crashing through the underbrush, coming toward the lodge. She ran outside, gun in hand, and saw Jim being flung to the ground under the attack of a giant wolf. Laramie fired once to frighten the beast, afraid of hitting her brother, but the shot didn't do the trick. The wolf slashed viciously at Jim's neck. A second shot struck the beast, she thought, in its leg, and the wolf jumped away and vanished into the forest. As I listened to the girl tell her story, I kept one eye on her brother. He barely moved the whole time she talked, as if he were made of stone. His ashen complexion added a lot to that comparison. Jim lay moaning on the ground where he'd been thrown. I ran to him, got him into the lodge, bathed his wound and dressed it. Then I went for a doctor. He came and redressed Jim's wound, but we haven't brought him back again. No? Why not? He... He didn't seem to believe me when when I gave my account of what had happened to Jim. Jim seemed to be resting easily after that, so there was no need to bring the doctor out a second time. I see. Please go on. Jim developed a strange fever toward morning and became restless. There didn't seem to be any way to give him relief, and I was growing more and more anxious, and after a while... He started making these sounds. What kind of sounds? Odd sounds. Delirious sounds. Oh, how can I tell it? Guttural. Inhuman. Animal sounds. Eventually, I recognized them as the unmistakable sound of an animal whining in pain. can't go on. I can't. It's so horrible. So unbelievable. You'll think I'm mad. No, it's all right. You've probably guessed the frightful thing that happened. Letelier is a... a werewolf. It sounds insane to hear myself say the word. Yet, it's such a relief to say it aloud. He's a werewolf, and his bite was so venomous, so accursed, that it contaminated Jim, too. <laughs> Go on, please, Laramie. We're listening. I'll, I'll tell it. Jim? Are you sure? Yes. 
I knew what to expect. My transformation was complete. I knew of the nightly bloodlust that comes over a man, infected by the werewolf's bite. I knew that a nightly change of my form would soon begin. I knew that I was bound to Letelier because his blood had mixed with mine. But, but I believed that if I could be prevented from tasting blood of any kind, the spell could be weakened and broken. I asked Laramie to tie me up, to chain me the next night. And every night after. <gasps> I didn't want to do it, but Jim insisted. I don't have the words to describe it. My horror, the loathing that came over me at the sight of my brother. How, how before my eyes he transformed into a savage beast. <laughs> the week of the full moon is the worst for me. The bloodlust is strongest then. Laramie had the most difficult time with me during those nights. It's the sixth month now. Up to this point, Letelier has appeared only on moonlit nights, howling for me just beyond the clearing. Jim says that if Letelier can be shot and killed, the spell will be lifted from him. I tried once or twice to shoot him, but he avoids me. And I'm not a very good shot anyway. I urged Laramie to go and see you this afternoon because of something that happened this morning. Tell them, sis. All right. He surprised me here today, Letelier, and threatened me. What? what? Yes. He knows that Jim is escaping him and that I'm helping Jim do it. Letelier told me that he means to waylay me either when I go to LaCroix or when I go out to collect water or wood. Before this, he never came this close to the cabin, uh, although I did see him once by day, shortly after he had attacked Jim as a wolf. He was limping, and I think my bullet caused that limp. Well, there's definite proof that bullets can and do affect these creatures. Yes, well... A bullet can kill their bodies, at least. But Jim says that it must be a silver bullet to free the evil spirit that animates Letelier. <sighs> will you help us? We three will do it together. We four. Don't leave Jim out of the equation. <laughs> Thanks, Miss Durfrey, but I don't know how much help I'll be. Don't talk that way, Jim. Okay. Now I'm going into town. Celeste will stay here with the two of you while I'm in LaCroix, trying to get some silver bullets made. The hour I spent in the village was nerve-wracking. I couldn't help thinking of Laramie and Celeste's danger, fearing that one or both might be drawn from the lodge despite my warning not to venture outside. I feared that Letelier might have seen us and guessed that we were there to help, and he might lie in wait for Laramie at once. 
and my fear for her safety was tinged by an entirely different emotion, one that my sister had correctly guessed at some weeks before. Once in town, it turned out that the only man for the job of making the silver bullets was the old locksmith. Silver bullets? Ah, sure. I can do it, Mr. Durfrey. Perfect, thank you. Can you hurry, please? Are you a Lone Ranger fan or something, Mr. Durfrey? Lone Ranger? Oh, the silver bullets. Yes, yes, I love the Lone Ranger. Now hurry, hurry, please. Jack, I thought you'd never get here. Hello, yes, and let's get back inside quick. The sun's going down, and there's someone hiding in the bushes. I know. It's Letelier. He's been here ever since you left for LaCroix. Hi, sis. Everything well? Welcome back. I've been getting acquainted with Jim. He doesn't seem to be doing very well. There goes the sun. There he is. I'll get him. Damn it. Missed him. He's vanished into the underbrush. Uh, Oh, no. Celeste, Jack, it's Jim. I heard Laramie's frightened cry behind me and whirled to see Jim, her brother, a wild animal, snarling and unbound, free for the first time. In the excitement of my brother's coming, Laramie and I had forgotten to bind him. But fortunately for all of us, the beast could not throw off the physical weakness of the man, and the wolf could barely stand. And again, there came a threatening howl from outside. The door! I had left the door standing partly open, an act of carelessness for which all of us might have paid with our souls. Laramie's warning cry made me turn just in time. The wolf that was Letelier, seeing that Jim was unbound, that the door was open and our backs turned, had run swiftly across the clearing and was launching itself at me even as I turned. I got him! Those silver bullets did it! Oh, look, everyone! Jim, he's changing back. He's becoming human again. Jack, you did this. Oh, Jack. Oh, Laramie. Oh, brother. Laramie Shaw has since become my wife, and Celeste has been spending a great deal of time with Jim. 
I admit that at first I had had doubts about Laramie's sanity, despite the way in which facts, as I knew them, fitted into her explanation. But all doubts I had were lost when Jim and I stepped from the lodge later that night to bury the thing that lay just beyond the door. For, though I had clearly shot a timber wolf, the thing we buried was the body of Henri Letellier. that simply spine-tingling creeps. (laughs) I haven't had this much fun since Mother conjured up a dragon for my 250th birthday and burned Salem to the ground. (laughs) Our story was called The Woman at Loon Point by August W. Derleth and Mark Schorer. Adapted for audio by Pete Lutz. And was the 11th episode of The Cellar. And I, of course, am your hostly ghost, um, your ghostly host, Cadavra Quivery. <laughs> so, until next time, fiends, remember, don't take candy from stranglers. <laughs> <laughs> The Cellar is produced and directed by Pete Lutz. The theme was composed and performed by Tom Rory Parsons. Our cast consisted of the following players. Pete Lutz as Jack, Ellie Maitland as Celeste, Kendra Murray as Laramie, Dana Gonzalves as Jim, Jason D. Johnson as Letelier, and Debbie Leal Ramirez, Dave Feldman, Jeff Billard, Lisa Ayala, and Lisa Espinosa as The Villagers. Cadavera Quivery is played by Angela Young. This is Graham Rowan speaking. The Cellar is a 63 audio production mixed and mastered in Corpus Christi, Texas. Join us next time when Cadaver takes you to the frozen north where some whaling men whose ship has been icebound for two years are grumbling about mutiny and the captain's wife isn't in <clears throat> the best of mental health. Here's a scene from that episode. Well, what is it, Mr. Mate? I weren't specially anxious the man at the wheel should catch what I wanted to say to you, sir. That's why I asked you to come below. Speak your say, Mr. Slocum. I'm afeard there'll be trouble with the hands by the look of things. They'll likely turn ugly, every blessed one of them, if you don't put back. The two years they signed up for is up today. And do you think you're telling me something new, Mr. Slocum? I felt it in the air this long time past. Do you think I've not seen their ugly looks and the grudging way they worked? David? Well, Annie? David, I... Uh, Captain, I'll be going. Wait. Yes, sir. Do you want anything, Annie? I thought maybe I'd go up on deck, David, to get a breath of fresh air. Uh, it's too cold, Annie. 
Uh, you'd best stay below today. There's nothing to look at on deck but but ice. I know. Ice. 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 But there's nothing to see down here but these walls. Oh. That's Isle by Eugene O'Neill. Next time on The Cellar. Music for episode 11 was provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, Tom Rory Parsons, and Dr. Ross Bernhardt. Sixty-three audio. This is mutual. There are a number of things that we can all do to help stop the spread of the coronavirus and protect ourselves and our families. One is simply to clean your hands often. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds, especially after you've been in a public place or after blowing your nose, coughing, or sneezing. If you don't have access to soap and water, then make sure you use a hand sanitizer with at least 60% alcohol. And finally, avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth with unwashed hands. These are some simple things that we can all do to help protect ourselves and our families from the spread of coronavirus. Be well, everybody.